0: Welcome to the show, my name is James Nielsen Watt and in this show we interview interesting, inspiring and successful people so you can learn the secrets to success and can play the game of life, business, health and happiness better. And the philosophy we take here is if I'm leveling up my game, you get to level up yours as well. So get ready to listen to some inspiring people who have figured out how to have success in all areas of life health, happiness, wealth, business, we're gonna be interviewing them in this show so that you can learn the secrets to success that they share with practical advice that you can take and use today. So if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, please leave us a review, and please share it with your friends because if I can help you and you can help others, then we can help more people together and we can all level up our game together. In this episode, we're talking with Russ Morgan and Joey. Russ is a Wealth Without Wall Street's founder and partner. He's known as the ideas guy. Apparently, Joey is the good-looking one. Wealth Without Wall Street is an online community that seeks to re-educate business owners and families on how money truly works. Welcome to the show, Russ and Joey, my friends. I'm excited to have you on. We had some interesting chats pre-show about some interesting cryptocurrency names, which we maybe won't mention on the show. But... Let's jump into it tell us about what you guys do and
1: and how you got to where you are and uh, we'll go from there man thanks for having us on the show Wealth without Wall Street is really I don't want to take too much of the credit because it's not necessarily me but it's my story just in real life and and it's it starts with a guy who was highly successful in a full commission job I was in the mortgage business for 11 years and during that time, in my mind, I had this idea that financial security, financial freedom or success was increasing your income and just growing up that corporate ladder, so to speak. But when I really woke up to the the fact was that I was getting less and less time with the people and uh, the things that I love. And so it, it, it came to a head when I would be on vacation and I'd have my phone on my hip. And I'd have to say, hey, uh, babe, just go ahead and take the kids down to the beach. I'll be down there in just a few minutes. I got to take this call. Mm. Or, hey, y'all go ahead and check in at the restaurant. I'm just going to finish up this call. I'll meet you guys in there. And what happened is I was physically present, but never mentally present with the people that I loved. And so As the income increased, it never gave me freedom. And so I I got, uh, became friends with Russ uh, in 2007, 2008. And by 2009, he shared with me a book and he said, Hey, by the way, I want to start referring you clients. I'm like, dude, (laughs) about time. You know, we've been friends for a long time. You're finally going to start sending me referrals. Uh, He said, But you have to read this book. And he said, "Uh, By the way, it's $20. And I'm like, dude, that is low budget. I mean, like, you could have just given me the book. I mean, are you are you on hard times here? Like, you charged me 20 bucks for this stinking book? I mean... James, if you knew how literally penny picture this dude was, you knew, like,
2: <laughs> if, I, if I made him pay for it, I knew he'd read it. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a little bit nervous he would.
1: Well, I'm glad he did, because I did read it, probably because I did pay for it. And um, it totally, dramatically changed my perspective on money, on what financial freedom looked like, and on giving me a path to get there. And after four years of implementing some of the things that Russ and I were working on together, I'd seen such dramatic results. I was like, I was like compelled. I was like, dude, I got to do this full time. I need to be out there sharing this, giving people a clear path that I didn't know existed before. I'm sure there are other people like me. So that was in 2014 that I went home to my pregnant wife. Uh, she was pregnant with our fourth daughter at the time. And I told her, I said, Hey, you know how we're making over $300,000 a year and you're, you're very comfortable and all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm quitting my job. I feel compelled to go do this with Russ. And, and when I knew it was the right thing to do is when she looked at me, despite my moron you know, comments there, and she was like, I think you should. I think you should absolutely do this just without hesitation so anyways that kind of launched our our working together and um by 2016 we had kind of come up with the name wealth without wall street and uh walking people down the same path that i've been on
2: that's awesome yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. i mean it's and you you know that i mean you, you've done that yourself james you've taught enough people along the way that money is is a tool but also without a goal for that tool, um, it could be used improperly, right? A hammer can be used to create or to destroy. And I think so often times we don't really have a goal of what we want our life to look like. And we don't have a pathway then even once we have the goal to be able to achieve it or the right people to help support us to get there. And uh, so Wealth Wild Wall Street is what Joey said. It's like helping people just like where Joey was in life, try to break free of the bondage they've created for themselves. A lot of times... In the form of a job, uh, but also it's just giving them a vision for what life could look like differently and how to create financial independence without having to wait till "quote unquote" retirement to achieve it. Mm. I, I, it's 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 a really interesting topic because I spend
0: a lot of time with my clients, especially my my mastermind clients and and my high level programs where I'm I'm sort of personally working with them. It's like they talk about wanting to grow and, and make more money. And, and should I make this decision or that decision? And I'm like, well, well, what's, what's your outcome? Like, what do you want? And they say, well, I don't really know, but I I don't want to. And it's like, they don't want to make this bad decision, but they don't know what they want. And when you don't know what you want, you haven't got a clear direction. You're kind of just doing stuff. And then naturally the, you could say like the, the caveman in us or whatever is going to try and hoard. They're going right. to, you're going to try and just collect this money and make more of it. Cause I guess I need more of it. And this is, I think a big problem is that we, is a lot of people, we don't understand what money is or how it works or how to use it. And we're conditioned about how to think about it, which enables consumer culture and, and whatever, because we've got, uh, whether it's governments or uh, leaders or, or companies and everybody's feeding into us that, Hey, we need to make more money and get more stuff. And we never really get this happiness because we don't understand the game that we're actually playing. You're playing Monopoly, but you're not getting how it works. And you're just trying to go round and round and round to get your 200 bucks versus going, hey, what if I just get some properties and then just stop going round and everyone else will land on my (laughs) properties. And that was a big thing for me. It was that I grew up broke and poor. And and why I like to say that is, you know, poor is poor is a mindset, broke is a situation. And it's it's hard to break that. Like I even got it now. You know what I mean? There's still times where it's like the brain says, yeah, but you need it if you just had this and it's like, it's a constant effort to to unwind that conditioning. Uh, and I think once you free yourself of the conditioning, you actually un- start to understand things, the game changes. It suddenly gets easy. Suddenly, like all the weight comes off, all the baggage, all the pressure's off. It's like, huh, I'm actually already winning. Like, life's great. And I probably don't need to do this. And I'm just going to do this instead. Uh, it's 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 weird. And I've been getting into it with with cryptos and, and in, uh, stocks and investing and buying assets and uh, since I've been collecting some cash during COVID times where business was really good. And I'm looking at it, but we couldn't do anything, right? So I just had all this cash piling up because I wasn't going anywhere and I wasn't doing anything. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, holy crap, like this money is worth less at the end of the year. And now yeah. countries are pumping Well, they're just changing the numbers in the, in the system, not even printing cash, they're just changing the numbers and giving everyone money, which we talked about, we'll talk about in a second as well. And it's like, <laughs> my money's now worthless. What the hell? So what what the hell am I working for? And I yeah. started to think about it, about these, the, these different markets and how everything works. And it's been really interesting. It's been a really interesting journey for me and, and I'm trying to help my clients with it. And, and that's what I really want to talk about today is, is just understanding what it is because most of us don't. We just collect cash and think that it has value forever. And we don't understand but,
1: that. And I, I like what, what you're saying there. There's a couple of things that you mentioned. Number one, everybody else has a plan for you. So if you don't have a plan and a goal you're just going to default to theirs and you're not going to even realize that you've done that but that's just kind of the natural way we talk about that being the wall street mindset you know we would say wall street has a very clear default plan for you and it doesn't include freedom for you as fast as possible it's uh, there's actually four rules to to wall street's game it's give me your money give it to me consistently every month on a recurring basis if possible let me hold on to it as long as possible and make it as difficult as possible to get back. Those are the four ways that they have taught us, sometimes in, in ways that sound really good to us, you know, like this is to your best, but in the back of their minds, in the back of the uh, the whole deal, they're actually just increasing their coffers, so to speak. And then the second thing you mentioned, which I think is is super valuable, is that they're just adding zeros without printing actually. Anything. They're just literally digitally creating money out of thin air because they've taken any sort of reserve against the dollar, in this case, and and totally separated it. That, back in the seventies, right, with uh, with Nixon, that they they re- reduced us to this point that we're in now, and it's just getting completely out of control. So yeah, your dollars can, are. Can you, becoming can you talk about
0: that a little bit? What you what you said about Nixon and, and at that point in this this the separating talk about that a little bit
2: yeah so back before 1971 and actually was a little bit before that but 71 was the like the date of right points to where president nixon came out and said we're moving off the gold standard there was a time in the u.s and i don't know if this was also true in other foreign countries where u.s citizen couldn't actually own gold actual real gold because all the gold then was tied to the fiat currency to the paper currency that was in the market so they couldn't print dollars without having more gold so if somebody went out and, and, and got gold somewhere else and brought it into the country then technically they could be adjusting the reserve requirement well nixon came out and said we we're going to adjust that and no longer was the amount of gold that was in fort knox uh, the places where they were holding all this gold equal to actual dollars in currency well the the purpose behind that was the ability for them to then Change, you know, how much money they could put into the economy and not be, you know, limited, limited, or, limited constricted. or constricted to how much gold they have. Which, as we know, the the ultimate power behind the government is to be able to create as much currency as they want, because then that can fuel any projects that they have on mind without any limitations to what's out there. Then, us as consumers don't have the ability to like hold them to their budgets and other things. And in the U.S. and We've seen this over since you know 1971, the dollar has lost about 95% of its value. And you know, we, we see that where, you know, the price of gasoline, price of milk, price of houses, you were talking about cryptocurrencies, you know, all these things. You can see the inflation that exists, or you can just look look at you know what the price of silver or gold is today as compared to those days, and you can see what truly inflation has done to the value of the dollar.
0: I don't want to go too deep here because I think it's gonna be. We can go on forever and i think it'd be confusing to a lot of people but it's it's this interesting concept where what is currency it's just a how do i put it why is my monopoly exchange. money yeah it's an exchange right like my monopoly dollars uh, are, are useless i can't buy milk with monopoly dollars why because no one has a value to it and there isn't this perception that there is certainty that the piece of paper that i'm holding that's monopoly compared to the us dollar actually is going to be contain the value and, and have worth to it. The only reason that dollars have worth is because we all believe they have worth and it's right. off the back of the country, et cetera, et cetera. And so the issue with just being able to print more is, well, if you print too much, you end up with like Venezuela where you, you're weighing your money to, to buy stuff. Um, right. <laughs> uh, exactly. But so they're, they're managing it, but they're trying to do it. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like I'm printing more, but I'm doing it just enough that I can get away with it without destabilizing things too much, while also keeping everyone distracted from the fact that that's all that I'm doing. So the money I'm giving you is actually worth less than what it was before I printed it, but I'm just going to hope you don't notice. Is it kind of how it is?
2: No, it's exactly how it is. And the, the more time that goes on, the less that we understand it, right? If the three of us were sitting in a, you know, virtual utopian world and our day's production equaled $1 a piece, right? So there's $3 that could then be produced for that day. And let's just assume the only consumable was bread, three loaves of the bread. Well, what would be the value of the bread? It'd be $1. Well, here's here's the problem though with inflation. People always ask the question, like I see you know, things get more expensive or whatever, but it's also even deeper than that. And there's a reason behind what, what governments do, why they print money. And and it's actually to devalue savers. And, and this Robert Kiyosaki, somebody we follow, uh, always kind of refers to savers as losers. And here's why: if you decide, James, that you want to be a saver, like I'm not going to eat my bread today, I'm going to save my dollar. Now tomorrow, the government comes in with a helicopter and says, "You know what, guys? For your day's labor, instead of having three dollars, we're going to actually produce. Your, we're going to give you six dollars for your day's labor. So each one of you guys are going to get two dollars now." If if there's no other consumables, still just three loaves of bread that get uh, provided to us in our little utopian society here, then what is the price of bread? It's $2, right? $2 Mm. a piece. So what happened to the dollar that you saved from yesterday? Yesterday, your dollar could buy one loaf of bread. Today, your $1 can only buy half a loaf of bread. And that's what Mm. we see happening in, in the world today is that people who are trying to be savers are literally losing out on the cost of goods going up and the government knows that so they literally put money into the marketplace to say hey we want to prevent people from saving to spend with the
1: the deranged mindset that somehow spending makes money because it doesn't they say so that it's to, going to to activate in. the economy by putting that much more money into circulation is going to make People spend more. So all this consumer drive is going to continue to to increase the economy. But unfortunately, what happens is, uh, as our mentor and the author of the book that we were talking about earlier said, he said, if you were to give all the money in the world, equally distributed across the world within a very short amount of time, he said, even within three years, all the same money would be in the top 3% of people and the the other 97% would be back to normal. And that's because you've got
0: consumers and producers, right? Exactly. If I'm producing things and everyone's going to purchase those things off me, then I'm going to collect the wealth again because you're going to give me your money to get the things. So in terms of the government wanting to inflate things to prevent savings that you're spending the money, I suppose it's like if I have a uh, 50 million and and I give a dollar to 50 million people, what's gonna get $50 million into the economy faster? It's everybody with a dollar because <clears throat> they can go and buy a bunch of stuff. Uh, and then the government's gonna tax you on your sales tax. And so they're just gonna recoup it. So they're wanting you to, s- they stimulating the economy by saying, here's some money go and spend it so that we all feel like we're going out and doing things and surviving and buying and whatever. But then they're just gonna tax it all on all of those transactions. And then on the income, whoever's received the money. And so they're just gonna get it back again. So it's really just a game of getting us to continue to, to participate more than actually necessarily supporting us
2: no it's yeah it's just it's a game uh we've heard it this way and on our end but is that when the government creates a problem onerous taxation right and then they turn around and in the u.s they grant you an exception to the problem by giving you like access to a 401k or ira that can allow you to avoid paying tax today on that dollar don't you feel at least bit uh, kind of manipulated, right? Like if the the ultimate objective was to give you a tax break, why don't they just do away with the tax? That's not what they want to do. (laughs) Kind of like what you're saying there with giving us dollars, it's assuming that we want to create something, but that's not really what the, the purpose is. Ultimately, they need to spend money. And when they spend money first, that money doesn't have the inflation to it. But once it finally trickles down to us, that's where we see it. And it happens- Unfortunately, it creates really malinvestment. And we've seen that in the US. We, we kind of would adhere to more of an Austrian viewpoint on economics, where really the boom and the bust can be attributed directly to what the Federal Reserve in the US is doing with interest rates and providing money to the system, is that they create artificial money into the system. So people make malinvestment. They go invest in things because they believe that this is worth, you know, that they see a demand in certain areas right now. That, the U.S. housing market is going through the roof. Well, ultimately, people are now are building houses at an all-time level. They're expanding houses. People are paying you know, 25 50% more for houses today than they were just three, four years ago. Well, at some point, though, that interest rates will rise. And those people who have bought those houses won't be able to afford them or won't be able to afford all the other things that they were paying for. And so th- th- they'll have to let them go. And there'll be this bust and oftentimes i would get pointed toward as capitalism and greedy you know greedy people out there that had done something erroneously in that part but really it was just the buying signals were all messed up because there was this false supply of cash and and demand that really was built up by fake money
0: and i think that what comes back to is which i assume is what you guys what you guys do right is actually teaching people how money works so that you don't get enrolled in the game that's being played over here and you can actually participate and and create what you want rather than going and taking your thousand bucks and buying dogecoin it's (laughs) like (laughs) it's really interesting because economies they're only existing because we believe in them and there isn't necessarily an inherent actual value necessarily and only in ones where things are being produced but It's only the production that results in the consuming that makes the economy happen. If I'm producing dirt and no one wants to buy it, then I'm not really creating anything. So you're only creating something when someone wants to buy it. And so if we all started to look at what we wanted in our lives instead of just consuming and being given more currency to go and consume with, we'd all probably be happier and more successful in our own right because we wouldn't be believing that we needed more money and they should give us this. And why does the rich have all of this and I have nothing? And it would change the dynamic because it's a headspace. And I realized that from being broken, poor, and not having much, and my family not having much, to now being a millionaire and whatever other little dream things I want to take off, and I'm realizing more and more that what got me there was how I thought about money, how I thought about my time, where I put my emphasis, and how I tried to create actual value and play the game properly.
1: Yeah, that's a that's such a great point. And what we would say is that one of the biggest challenges that people are facing is if not the number one obstacle for people getting to freedom is that they don't have access to cash. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they don't have access to cash, it's twofold. What you just said about being a producer only comes when you have access to cash. In my Mm -hmm. opinion, if you don't have access to cash, you don't feel like you can branch out and produce something. You feel like you have to go to work for somebody else or you have Mm -hmm. to be in a position of just being stuck at your job. But when you all of a sudden open up your mind and you have access to cash, now you can start seeing opportunities in the marketplace that you can meet the need of. And, And so that's why we talk about, man, if you can start with access to cash, quit playing the government's games. When we're talking about 401Ks, IRAs, SEPs, 529 plans, fill in the blank with all your alphabet soup. Those are all games to keep you in a position where you're, you don't have access to cash. But when you do that, then you start investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is how you think about money, like what you said, putting a value on your time because your time is what you'll never get back. And, and you know, if you start thinking that way, then you start thinking about what can I trade this time for that will produce the biggest impact in the world and, and for my family. So those things are incredible. Like what you just said, I don't want to miss. Like we we can't just skip over that. People are blinded to those things because they just literally, Robert Kiyosaki says that there are million dollar ideas and opportunities that go under our noses every single day because they don't even see that it's possible. Mm. It's not even, it's not my opportunity. It's somebody else who has access to cash. Mm. And, and we can be that person. So that's what we want, We like to solve day one when we're putting people through our process is, and you got to get in position of cash. Yeah. Not that we're trying to save cash for cash purposes, like you said, it's it could be pointless because of inflation. But it's what can that cash be leveraged into that will create the freedom.
0: Well, if you if you don't have cash, you can't. I'm just going to say assets. You can't purchase assets that that are going to have your cash work for you. And so you're you're now. Spending your time to make money to then buy stuff to live, and because you don't have time, because you've just spent it, you're only affording the lifestyle. You're not able to change the lifestyle and start doing anything else and get your time back. Whereas when you start to purchase assets, whether it's investments or or whatever, and you're starting to have cash work for you, you're making cash off your cash, so to speak. Uh, in well, in terms, yeah, you
2: know. and the true definition of wealth is time, right? Mm. You know, if you. If you spend ten thousand dollars a month and you have a million dollars sitting in the bank really what you have is a hundred months worth of time. That's the way someone should think about it. So what you're saying is if I can take my cash and I can buy assets and the way that we would define an asset is anything that puts cash in your pocket right So sometimes people mislabel assets. they believe buying a I'm just going to use the word stock as an example is an asset. well if it's not actually producing cash that wouldn't be the definition of an asset. If I buy a house to live in, that would not be the definition of an asset because it's taking money out. Now, can I sell those things and put cash in my pocket? Yes, but then they're no longer on my balance sheet. So they're not truly an asset. So things that we look to do is buy businesses, we buy real estate properties, we do private lending. We're always looking for true assets, things that will produce a cash flow. Because what we're trying to do is ultimately get that cash flow to equal the monthly expense or exceed it, because then we yeah. have infinite wealth and people think of you know the elon musk of the world or the richard branson's of the world whoever it is as these guys are infinitely wealthy because they're thinking of in like how much money do they have stored not that they don't have tons of money stored but it's truly why they're infinitely wealthy is because they have more cash flow from those assets because that's mm-hmm. what they are cash flow and assets that far exceed their monthly expenses so when you have that you are infinitely wealthy i don't have to have a you know a 5 million dollar bank account I don't have to have a fifty million dollars bank account in order to be wealthy. Wealth is equaled into time. So when you can create assets that are producing cash flow
1: that exceed your monthly expenses, now you're truly wealthy. It's something that's so simple that Russ just mentioned. It just understanding that formula can be the difference maker in somebody's life. Like just the other day, Russ and I were talking to one of the members of our community and we had him on the podcast. It hasn't even aired, but one of the things I took away from that interview is he he talked about previously to COVID, he he and his wife kind of live paycheck to paycheck. Both high earners, high commission type type roles that they both worked in. They were kind of just going through the motions of life, he mentioned. He's like We just go here, we go to work, we spend the weekend off, we go this, but it just kind of like going through the motions. He said, but I never would have known like what my goal was until I got clear on that, that this is what freedom looks like. If I can get more passive income than monthly expenses. Within a year, he was just listening to our show and going through this process. He now has that process in place. He's bought his first short-term rental property up in the mountains and he's now he's like confident that within the next 5 years he can replace his income just with this one strategy and he now knows like it's all possible and he's super confident he went from like being lost and kind of just going through the motions default mode to i'm on a mission and here's here's the kicker his thing was he said i never want to have to ask off to go to my kids ball game mm-hmm. or to show up to my kids he, his kid was in choir or whatever to go to one of his recitals or whatever and I'm just like that was the anchor for him that financial freedom meant he didn't have to do that ever again. Yeah, that's so good. I
0: let's step back here for a second. You said that buying for example, a property that that appreciates in value but doesn't generate cash flows not an asset. what would you call that instead?
2: I, I wouldn't, I mean, we, we don't have any labeled that. I mean, I would say mm. most people would base any of those things as speculation, right? Because mm. we're, we're banking on the appreciation of whatever that thing is. So when we buy real estate and we buy real estate too, not that I don't want it to go up, not that I, you know, but I don't buy it based upon its assumed appreciation because then that yeah, would yeah. be, to me, very speculative. And I think most investing, at least in the US, that's happening right now, is not based upon inherent value, it's based upon assumed appreciation. Mm-hmm. We we're you mentioned cryptocurrency, right? A lot of times people are buying coins right now for the pure purpose of speculating on its appreciation. Now, Joey and I see some of these coins, some of the more prominent ones out there, as not necessarily a speculative investment, but as what we believe might actually be the f- future world currency. And so what we see as selling. U.S. dollars that are we know are going down in value for an asset class that we believe is going to be the future currency that we can spend. Now, mm. it's not something that we are spending today, but we are trying to find ways to get worthless dollars into something that may actually hold its value. So yeah, as yeah. we see those assets appreciating, I really believe it's more a vision of what's happening to the U.S. dollar depreciating when we're buying them Because I'm... Um- when I started getting into this world of
0: crypto and thinking about things and I heard the term fiat for the first time, I was like, what the hell is that? And then I understood it was, <laughs> it's a kind of like cash. I'm like, ah, oh. and thinking about things differently. I was like, when I'm buying something, my, my friend does a lot of this. And I said, well, how much, how much did you make from whatever you did when you bought XYZ coin? And then, and he said, oh, I got 12 Ethereum. I'm like, what are you talking about? you like, how much? And because my brain is conditioned that, that money dollar is the measure. But right. when you start to understand, okay, well, if I'm purchasing this with a coin, versus a dollar, and that coin dropped in value. So when I sold this one, I got less because the coin had dropped that I got versus the US dollar versus New Zealand dollar, Australian dollar. You start to realize that all of these things, these markets are always constantly shifting. And so you don't think about when you're in your country, you're like, oh, US dollar, I can buy milk and bread and a car and whatever. But sometimes we don't understand that that currency's value may have dropped or risen relative to other ones. And it's when right. you start to understand the game that it doesn't have tangible value because it's a market and it's shifting that you start to think about things differently. And like you said, how can I buy things that hold value, right, that aren't constantly fluctuating? Because if I, I, for example, my programs are sold in US dollars because most of my clients are in in the US, but I live in New Zealand. Some months are super good because the US dollar is really strong against the New Zealand dollar. Other months, not so good. And it's all relative to this relative economy of these different currencies. And I'm starting to think about things differently so that I'm averaging out better off because I'm understanding what things are holding their value well, what things are heading into the future. And the reason I asked that question about, you know, investments and assets and things is uh, we have properties and I've bought them because of the the property cycle being doubling in, in New Zealand every seven to 10 years for the last 40, 50 years or something like that. And so I'm purchasing properties that I know are going up, but you made the good point that it's speculative and that it's not an asset because it's not producing cash. And I've never had to think about that. I've always thought about it in terms of dumping cash because I have businesses that create copious amounts of cash and now I've just got this cash. I'm like, what do I do with it? So I purchase property because it's going to go up or it's going to hold. But now it's getting me thinking about things a bit differently about where can I put money into, for example, property that's cash flow versus.
2: And if you think about it, so gold, right? gold is one of those really interesting metals like unlike other metals right where most metals actually deteriorate over time they rust and they destroy where gold doesn't i mean they're actually going into space right now to like bring back satellites old satellites just to get the gold out of the computer parts that are in them, because it's gold actually can hold up. It's a great conductor of electricity. You know, some people have gold in their mouth. My wife was a dentist. That was one of the best fillings. You know, it, there's lots of properties behind gold. It holds its value, but we think of, like you just said, we we think of real estate as appreciating. Now, does does a wooden house appreciate or does it depreciate? A wooden house is actually going to get worse over time. It it just will. I mean, let my kids there and I can show you how quickly it can depreciate in value. (laughs) So what's really happening? What's going up in value or what's going down in value? So what I would say is the dollars that you use to buy those houses are going down in value, which on the flip side makes you think that the house is truly appreciating. Now, I love Mm -hmm. real estate because we get to actually write off a lot. And for us, again, taxation is continuing to be the one thing that we're focused on. How do we keep more of our dollars? Because that could be one of the best strategies somebody could employ is thinking, how do I keep more of my dollars? And, and depreciation through real estate is a huge thing because we actually can have cash, but not show a profit because we can write off a ton of stuff from real estate. And that's one of the, the things that we love about it. But it is weird when you think about, properties aren't truly appreciating what's mm. happening is our dollars are, are depreciating so now the same dollar that you used to be able to buy this house that was worth you know 200,000 it takes now 400,000 of those dollars to buy the same house that's really gone down in value because it really needs improvements right i mean mm. you know the the electronics in it the uh, bricks the the roofing you know the air conditioner all that stuff has to be updated over time because it's wearing out But it's less our dollars are being worth less and less and less. Now, what game then are we truly playing? We're playing the game of having more of those useless dollars than everybody else, because what we do is compare to everyone else. So, I mean, what we try to figure out is how do I create more cash flows that are constantly exceeding my rising monthly expenses, which is trying to keep up with the inflation that exists because of the influx of money from the government.
0: It's interesting i suppose that with the property it's not the house it's the land right because land over time in areas becomes more valuable because more people want to be there and there's less of it and there's a large population so when you're buying the, the property it's not the property that's that seems to be worth more because of inflation but the, the land is what the actual the unit if you will of value just like gold and i, I liken it to when you're talking about cryptos so one interesting thing and I, i'm by no means even a beginner in, in crypto but like talking about decentralization with cryptocurrencies, meaning that governments can't just print it and make it seem like it's good and give us some and it's really actually worth less. The fact that there's sort of finite amounts or there's burns and there's mining of it and 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 everyone's always talking about the usability. Everyone you know, crapped on crypto when it was first coming out because like, when are you going to use this, blah, blah, blah. But I saw it and I went, this is really interesting. And I knew nothing about it. Now I'm watching it and I'm paying more attention to it. And I can see that it's 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 going to replace the dollar because you can't now have people influencing it in the same way that you can with with currency so the moment it it becomes this simple way of being able to purchase and make transactions it's holding its value it's it's becoming more valuable over time like gold it's not rusting it can actually be used for stuff like when people first maybe had gold they would have liked it because it was shiny and then people started realizing that hey you can actually do stuff with gold hence why gold's prices would have started to a balloon when you're actually using it land exactly the same thing if there's a load of land and no one's using it for anything it's not worth anything but land in the middle of downtown new york is worth a hell of a lot because everybody wants to be there and everybody wants it so it's interesting with cryptos like that too i think and the biggest thing for me was was yeah, understanding that your dollar is is getting more and more worthless over time when grandma used to buy milk for 50 cents or whatever and now we pay (laughs) four bucks it's because they've just pumped money in
2: well, I, we're we're like you. We're not experts in the crypto space. We we dabble in it. We we own miners uh, that that you know mine the coins that perform the transaction, and we get paid uh, in those coins. And it is interesting though. There, you know what you're saying with Bitcoin, for instance. I think they say there's going to be something like 21 million coins. That's that's will be the absolute value. Won't won't be able to increase past that point i think 900 bitcoin are being mined today and that number goes down in july and i think goes down every july after that ultimately till it reaches that 21 million so there's absolute scarcity then within that unlike other assets i mean gold like there's still gold in the you know mm. in, in the earth it can be mined you just have to go do it but there will come a limit on crypto but also the demand and the demand is you know from what i learned from my tech buddies is the smart contracts and all the technology mm-hmm. and networks that are being built on this blockchain technology. So you have a growing demand for the actual technology, but yet you have an absolute scarce item of how much value of it that can be produced. So I do think we're, we're seeing it to be the future potential uh, world currency. And even now the, you know in the U.S., um, there's a new stable coin that even the U.S. government has deemed worthy as currency and is USDC. And there's mm-hmm. platforms out there right now that you can go and move your crypto to this USDC. And that's what we're going to see pretty soon. I would see in the next, my assumption, in the next 12 to 24 months, people will be able to purchase things with USDC without ever having to actually give them a dollar. And I'm sure there'll be credit cards and stuff like that. You're starting to see that on some sites like BlockFi, Gemini, and these other sites that that are coming out with these crypto credit cards. And ultimately all of this crypto is going to be moving into USDC and at least for the US. And that'll give them the ability to transact without ever using the fiat currency.
0: Well what's the main advantage of blockchain and all this technology? I see it as is that it prevents a lot of people interfering with it it also allows me and you to have a transaction it doesn't have to involve a bank who's going to tax us and try and try and use it. like i had somebody on the show uh, recently we talked about banks as that example like banks want your money so then they can go and make money with your money and yeah. it's it doesn't mean that it's safe um <laughs> it's it's they just they don't have the, like you can't go there and say hey can i have my 10 million dollars back because they don't have it they've gone and given yeah. it to somebody else
2: and yeah, well, them for my, it. yeah my, my elementary understanding. So if someone I really truly understands crypto, they'll hear this and be like, that guy's a complete idiot. But <laughs> it, for what we're talking about, though, like using a bank as an example, right? If you write a check to me to purchase something, who knows how much money's in the bank account? Who truly knows? The bank does, and maybe you, right? <laughs> but I'm accepting your check, assuming it's accurate. Well, in in the crypto space, blockchain is going to allow, one, a verification of how much money you have, how much crypto you have in your wallet. And then that transfer is going to happen to me and someone else is going to confirm that I actually received that. It's going to then go into this box and ultimately be put on this block that now is verifiable from that point forward. We doesn't have to go through a middle person. It's instantly Verifiable. That's the reason the machines that we own that are actually verifying that transaction and saying, yes, that's accurate, goes onto this block. That block now can be observed and seen forever. You know, there's mm-hmm. never a point where there's a fallacy in it. So we see and, you know, I have lots of clients in the in the medical space and they talk about they see this being used for, for medical issues. Like, I mean, in the U S most of these hospitals don't communicate with each other. We've got clients that are trying to build technologies that are allowing these uh, different hospitals to be able to interact, be able to share files, share images and things like that, that stuff doesn't exist. So to be able to actually take medical records and put them on this, allow people to have access to their own thing and be able to share it with any doctor in any different network they're in, they believe that's going to be a huge area of growth. So I think there's lots of potential uses. I don't want to pretend that I understand that part. I mean, I'm having enough difficulty just getting on a Zoom call. But <laughs> I, I, I listen to the smart people behind this stuff, and they, they get so excited as they're sharing it with me of why this is the thing. And, and we've had economists on our show that've talked about this rest will be the same as credit cards. Everybody in three to five years will own crypto to some level, mm. just like everybody has a piece of plastic in their pocket that they use at some point. Even grandma, if it's just a debit card to buy gas that one time where she doesn't have the dollars to be able to spend them. I bet when credit cards
0: came out, people were doing the exact same thing, just crapping on it. Exactly. Saying, how how you was that? How was dollar? that,
1: Russ? I know you're you're old enough to. Whenever <laughs> those things came out, how was that, Russ? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Jokes to this guy
0: because <laughs> uh, my 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 grandfather doesn't use plastic as he calls it right yeah. he just he just doesn't get it and doesn't want to do it and i'm like you're so old like <laughs> 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 come on like you know and my kids are going to say the same thing to me it's hilarious but um what's interesting with with it for me is 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 exactly that it, it, it creates this safe way of transferring information and verifying that it is what you said it is and it can't be interfered with uh, essentially, and we're seeing that with with NFTs, and non fungible tokens. It's the same way. It's verifying like this is the thing. It's the for example, um, Gary V talked about it. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk with with Harry Potter. If this was at the time, she could have made a hundred gold versions of Harry Potter that were all and apparently verifiable as the original. And because people love it, they all want it. And so the value of it goes up. And now there's these books that you might've sold for a hundred bucks because they're gold. And now they're 10,000 because they're collectibles. And it's like, how do you, how do you verify whether it's a watch? Like I own some nice watches. Are you going to make sure that it's the right one? And right. somebody hasn't put some fake things in it, or it's, it's, it's a, it's a, um, a fake or paintings. So much money and expertise goes into making sure these are the real deal with blockchain technology they're They're doing that immediately. And so, you know, that it is the thing. Somebody sold, what, $69 million for an NFT. There's the first tweet is an NFT now, I think. People are doing NFT drops. Gary V did an NFT drop. Um, Jake Paul did. I don't know if you guys saw that. Do you know what I'm talking about with Jake Paul?
2: I -hmm. I, I saw Gary V just uh, did his thing. I didn't see Jake Paul, no. So Jake Paul, for everyone
0: who doesn't realize, is the, is the YouTuber who turns, who's turned boxer and yeah. knocked out Ben Askren and everybody hates him. But it's hilarious because he's just gaming the system and, and he's occupying the minds of these people who are just rent-free and he's making millions. He had top 10 pay-per-view fight of all time was Jake Paul versus Ben Askren. And this kid can now do whatever the hell he wants. It's amazing. But anyway, he, he created NFTs for that fight. And so, of course, when they dropped, they are massively more valuable because he knocked him out and everyone said he was going to lose. It's just yeah just just understanding that that we can we can now verify things and say hey this is the real deal like you we mean you can would sell property we could sell assets to each other using this and there doesn't need to be the intermediate which is amazing because that's what banks are just sitting there like what pisses me off is i want to transfer money and i have to wait or they're going to charge me and i'm like what why it's like it's my money why do you because you have a network that now wants to clip my ticket and because you just want to make money off my money and uh, that's essentially what banks are there for like it's not it, banks were i suppose once a vault where you could go and put your things in there and they were kept safe because they had security now it's just a bunch of people sitting at computers and at a location which doesn't really need to be there because you could probably just call them to create an affront with appearance that they were a real thing and really it's just a medium for us to transfer money through and they clip out, clip the ticket and make money off our money because we don't know what to do with it we're told to put our money in the bank to save it but you can't save yourself the wealth as we talked about
2: no, any, the the saving is going to ultimately lead them using that dollar uh, or whatever the currency is in order to make money off of it. They're going to teach you to save it, but they're going to do the exact opposite. They're not saving it. They're putting it to work. I mean, just like you teach people how to be producers in their business, we need to teach people how to be producers with their money and the money working as hard or harder than you are then gives you true wealth, which is we already defined as time. And all of this starts by being on podcasts like this, listening to shows like this, educating yourself, reading books. Mm. I was writing a card to one of my nephews who was just graduating, and, and I told him like, this is where learning actually just now starts. Like, mm. you know, you're, you're finishing school, but that's actually the start of education. It's mm. not not to believe that you have any information that you need now for the rest of your life, because most of the learning I've done happened way after I left school, and we we have the opportunity to continue to learn to be uh producers to create and look around at the world find out what the value um is needed where where there's a an opportunity and fill it and and money will follow value and that's kind of what you're doing with this podcast i love it cuz you you start to realize that
0: institutional learning you can't possibly be learning what's actually relevant right now because to teach it in an institution means it has to it just takes time. And so what you're learning is not really what's going on. And I think especially in schooling, and so you're right, it's like when you, you, know, when you leave school, your learning begins because now you're up to date. It's the same thing when I'm, I'm trying to teach my clients and i try to teach my kids. It's like what's happening right now and let's learn let's participate in this. And so with my little boy, it, it starts with little things like I, I've been teaching him to say, I'm like, more value, more. And he goes, more value, more money. And I'm like, more money, more. And he goes, more money, more fun. And I said, um, so so more value, more. And he goes, more value, more fun. And I'm like trying to get him to understand the game. And that's the money is the intermediate between allowing you to do what you want to do and have what you want to have and solve 99% of problems. And it all comes from your ability to, to understand and create value not just have a job and work for somebody else who's creating value or put your money in a bank because they've told you that they're going to help you save your money and it's like they're just going to go and spend your money I saw a billboard we'll end on this I saw a billboard and it was like ANZ Bank which is some New Zealand Australia big bank I hope I didn't get sued or whatever for this ANZ Bank is like a big billboard and it says helping children have successful futures for 100 years or whatever and it's like a, a kid putting money in their piggy bank and I'm like liars. (laughs) (laughs) Liars.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like,
0: give me the give me the money so that I can go and spend it. But I'll give you two percent, which isn't even going to cover the tax and inflation, so that you feel good that your money's growing. But it's really, I'm just wanting to collect it and use it myself.
2: Yeah, I had a client recently send me a picture. He as he was driving by a bank local. Uh, it's first. US bank, but he said if you really kind of read it more phonetically, it's first us bank. <laughs> and that's really, <laughs> that's really what they're interested in, right? And And I, you know you're talking about teaching your kids. so I, I did a, a video for our YouTube page not too long ago about teaching my daughter of how to actually buy her first car. she's turning 16, how to buy her first car by setting up a short-term rental um, just using going through a mastermind class that we teach. And, and actually, you know, taking cash that we had set aside in some life insurance contracts where we save a lot of cash and, and using that to to set up her first uh, short-term rental using Airbnb, VRBO and all these other websites. And now the cash flow is what she's using to pay for the car that she's bought and just saying, mm. okay, how many of these more can we do over the next several years? So if you decide to go to college, that's great because that's something you want to pursue because of passion but you can see the writing on the wall that you can learn how to make more cash flow just doing this concept before you're even out of high school than most of the people in the profession that you want to go in actually make truly. Mm, And so, you know, that to me, like what we can teach our kids about entrepreneurship, teaching them how money truly works, right. And, and to be not only a good steward of it, but also how, how to make decisions from that, that can impact our future. So we're not constantly working for money. There's a a book that Joey and I are rereading. It's called The Richest Man of Babylon. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a hundred-year-old financial book. And one of the simplest lessons that comes from it that should be apparent to everyone, but usually flies over people's heads, one of the first lessons is that you should be able to keep a part of what you make. And I, don't, I think so few people understand that. They They literally go to work to make money to pay other people for things. And yeah. all the money leaves us out the door, and it doesn't matter how much money they make; they find ways for other people to get all of what they make. And the concept is that no, you actually get to keep some of what you make, and you have to be thinking like that. And, and so, us being able to teach our kids these concepts when they're younger will set them on a trajectory that you know the three of us probably didn't have because we didn't have that sort mm-hmm. of education early on. I'm adamant that
0: I'm going to show my sons how to that they're not going to have jobs, that they're going to understand money and time and they're going to create futures for themselves by playing the game not going and spending their time in a job for somebody else to make money because that's for me that's not how you you make money you don't you don't get a job you create value and you have people transfer value to you and you use that value for other things and i think that it's important for all of us no matter what stage in life we are to think about it like that because if you don't you'll just be stuck doing that transaction hey here's some of my hours can I have some of that thing so I can go and buy more iPhones like it's it's um I heard someone say if 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 you had a bought Apple and been an owner rather than buying iPhones for the last (laughs) 10 years like you'd have a hell of a lot more money because every year there's a new iPhone so that you go and buy that new iPhone they've just released a purple version of the iPhone 12 people will go and buy that because it's purple even though they have got a case on it and you can't see the purple (laughs) and it's like It's, it's, it's funny because we not being conspiracy theorists with this, but like things are being created so we can purchase them because somebody understands that somebody wants to buy things and I want to collect the money. So I'm going to make things so they can give me the money because I'm smart enough to play the game and they want to be a consumer and that's okay. We can all be consumers. Like I buy certain things stupidly. I just bought like a, a first person FPV drone from DJI just so I can rip around my local park and, and chase birds and stuff. And uh, I don't actually, and um, and it's it's fun. <laughs> I'm being a consumer, you know what I mean? But it, it's because I I have the power to, and I want to, and that's okay, because I've got excess. I'm not purchasing with money that I shouldn't be, that I should be putting into assets instead. This has been an amazing episode. I need to get you guys on the show again. We need to talk more. Where can our audience connect with you online?
1: I was actually going to think about. We've talked a lot about like knowing. The formula to financial freedom, knowing where you stand with that is an important piece. And we created a, a link for people to get a free download of our scorecard. This tells you exactly what percentage of financial freedom you are. You enter in your information and bang, you get immediate results. You know where you stand. When you do that, I'm going to give you that link if it's okay. Yeah. Um, there's an additional link that goes to our community, our online community, because that's where Russ and I really spend our time interacting with people. You can DM us through that. Let us know you heard us on the show. We love to connect with people there. It's free. So again, this is a, a great opportunity. We don't really hang out a ton on social media because we get distracted with cat memes and other things. But uh, 100%. but our app is our, our own native app. So we stay on there. a good bit. if you go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash scorecard... You get the scorecard and access to the community. And um, we'd love to connect with you there. So it's wealthwithoutwallstreet.com
0: forward slash scorecard. My team will make sure that there's a reference in the show notes for everyone to check that out. I dec- definitely recommend that, that everyone listening goes and does that and starts thinking about their money a bit differently and understanding the game that we're in, we're playing Monopoly. And some of us realize that you got to get hotels and others are just wanting to go past go and get cash and buy iPhones that are purple. You guys take care. This is awesome. And uh, we'll definitely get you back on the show. I had heaps of fun. You guys take care. Yeah,
2: thanks for having me. It's our
0: pleasure. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Everything shared will be in the description of the episode, so you can go and grab that. Now, if you enjoyed the show and you want to listen to more, please subscribe because every week we're releasing new episodes with inspiring people, successful people, so you can level up your game. So subscribe and also leave us a review. We'd love to hear feedback about the show and your thoughts and opinions there as well. Now, if you want to have more success, whether it's in your life, whether it's in your business, we run live trainings every single week where you can get access to me to coach you through everything from health, wealth, success, business. We're doing topics on all things that you need to live a better, more inspired and successful life. Live trainings every single week. Just visit jamesnielsenwatcom forward slash live and you can get access to that now there's also a ton of resources that you get for just listening to the show all of that will be in the description so if you are watching this on youtube check the description if you're listening to this episode check the description we've got a load of resources there for you to have more success in your life whether it's relationships investing or in business i'll see you on the next episode and as always subscribe leave a review and tell your friends because there's somebody else that needs to be hearing this and maybe you're their opportunity to help them level up their game.